0: This podcast is sponsored by Position Green. To be an insider, you can subscribe to the Green Insider Podcast, powered by eRenewable, wherever you get your podcasts from, and please leave us a five-star rating.
1: Welcome to the Green Insider, powered by eRenewable.
0: Each and every podcast hosts Mike Niemer and Greg Frank will bring you energy experts to help you better understand the renewable and sustainability space.
1: Education's important to us because it's important to you, the listener. Now, here's Mike Neimer and Greg Frank.
2: It is another edition of the Green Insider powered by e-Renewable. My name is Greg Frank. I'm going to be joined in just a minute by Mike Niemer, e-Renewable CEO, and our guest on the podcast. But as always, leading things off for today, e-Renewable COO and Neimer has a few words for us.
0: Position Green helps companies build resilient and sustainable organizations. Position Green has a unique combination of ESG software, advisory, e-learning, and assurance that drives sustainability success and empowers positive change. Visit PositionGreen.com to learn more.
2: And we welcome you in to another edition of The Green Insider powered by e-Renewable alongside Mike Neemer. My name is Greg Frankie. This is episode 205. Of the podcast, Mike. Good to see you again. How you doing?
1: Oh, I'm doing well. My Jayhawks had a rough weekend, but uh, you lose, lose, lose your starting quarterback, you play the 13th team, best team in the country. It's a
2: rough day. Yeah, impressed with Texas, I'm sure. Right? Texas, they're deserving of their ranking. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. So, certainly, uh, we'll see what happens the rest of the way. Uh, but a good start for the Longhorns in the uh, college football season. And fun time of year in sports. Baseball playoffs getting going. Even, oh. even the Texans Yeah, how the about NFL Iron yeah. looking good.
1: Texans played great. It's like two games in a row. And uh, how about the Astros making a, a rally to win the division? Yeah. Man, that's one for the record books there. Mm-hmm. All the cards were
2: aligned for them. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, fun time of year in sports. And we always shoot the breeze about that. But we're here to talk renewable energy as we bring on the guest on today's podcast kelly knopp the principal founder at syntronic chemicals joining us kelly good to see you how
0: are you thanks i'm doing great excited to be here
2: so uh, i know you and mike go way back uh, you, you feel free to start on the personal side and then venture into the professional side we always like to talk a little bit about the background with some of our guests so go ahead
0: no it's great uh you know once again mike and i go way back to our university of kansas days uh fraternity brothers so we've known ourselves a long time it's been a long career and it's been great to uh stay in touch all that time and all through that
2: time when you were in college like did you kind of see this as your calling or what was your kind of professional professional trajectory
0: uh correct yeah i was a chemical engineer by trade so i've spent a long career in the uh, you know corporate world in midstream refining pet cam plastics so uh, as I got to the back end of my career, uh, I was really looking for a way to um, step out of that corporate world and make something happen in the renewables. And uh, so uh, my partner Mel Bedeck and I came up with the uh, concept of Citronic Chemicals, which is a sustainable plastics play, ethanol to polypropylene.
2: And what was that kind of uh, revelation like in that enlightenment? Enlightenment. What can, can you tell us about the early stages there?
0: You know we knew we wanted to be in this ESG space and we thought about the plastics recycling and a lot of the other efforts that are out there and uh, kind of the aha moment for us was uh, seeing the whole ethanol industry you know today um, we make take corn we make it into ethanol we put it into gasoline and it gets burned in an engine uh, we saw ethanol is this fantastic bio you know, feedstock for chemicals and uh, as gasoline demand declines we need to do something else with that ethanol And so uh, we started really looking at how can we make that into from ethanol into ethylene into polyethylene or polypropylene. And so we looked at all the different plastics and how to to, uh, really convert um, the CO2 that comes into that corn into a solid pellet. So it's a way to sequester carbon in a useful way rather than just stick it in the ground or something like that. So you are
1: turning your product into a pellet. Correct. And from there, it's going to go to who, who's your off taker? Who do you sell that to?
0: Yeah, it's, it, think of, of everything that polypropylene goes into. It's the uh, most used plastic in an automobile, uh, you know, yogurt cups, diapers, um, you know, a really broad range of applications. And so for us, it's a, uh, the, the uh, really key here is that it's a drop-in product. So the, the polypropylene that we make is chemically, it's exactly like conventional fossil fuel product. But uh, but we've used the biogenic carbon that came through that corn rather than, you know, carbon that came out of the ground. Uh, so it so from a consumer standpoint, it's exactly the same product.
1: So with ENG,
0: ESG being all the buzz, that's part of why you and I both switched from oil
1: and gas to yep. what we're doing today, right? Exactly. Um, that market is is dying to find ways to reach net zero. The goals they have for themselves in 2040 and 2050 almost scary unattainable because it's, so, it's a, such a big stretch. The products you're talking about that you're going to sell to the industrial or whoever that's going to make the product dragonize a consumer are going to buy, they're looking for stuff that are sustainable or products that are sustainable so they can... Account for that on their sustainability report in their for your annual shareholder meeting. Correct? Exactly,
0: and and you hit the nail on the head that uh, the progress so far is not tracking with where they need to be by twenty thirty, by twenty forty, by twenty fifty. You know, cor- uh, most corporations have made some pretty aggressive uh, you know carbon reduction goals, and uh, they don't have a path to get there. So the thing we learned really early is you'd love to try this out in a small way and make sure it all fits uh, you know your plan. And uh, you know we learned you have to go big scale, so we 're building a world scale size plant just like you would with conventional polypropylene so it 's four hundred kta that 's almost a billion pounds a year of polypropylene, so uh, you know we had to make it big to make it economic it 's got a, the price point can 't vary too far from conventional we think we 'll be within twenty percent of the the uh, price point of conventional polypropylene, but the real thing that 's resonated with customers is what you were saying. We have to move the needle somehow. We have to get enough volume that they, they can actually see the benefit of that because they, they need to start making some real progress.
1: You know, as you and I talk about it being difficult for the corporations to reach their goals by 2030, 40, or 50, a lot of them put all those big ambitious goals in front of Americans and around the world for their investors to see. But they didn't really focus that it is going to cost them a little bit more money they've been used to spending but what they get out of it and the positive from it in the long run is much better for not only their corporate entity but it's better for society climate global you know climate issues that we face and it does come with a price and it's a little bit more money for
0: a lot longer healthier environment exactly and if you think about what we're doing we're really creating two products if you think about it we make a polypropylene pellets, so a rail car of polypropylene pellets shows up at a customer's gate and it looks exactly like conventional fossil fuel product and so it's very comparable for us we say well, that's really comparable in price the second product they receive with our shipment is a carbon credit and say well, what's that carbon credit worth well today it's not a regulated market so we we're we're not sure what that is worth but if you think about that 20 percent That's more the value of that carbon credit. And what we see is a lot of companies are precluded from buying carbon credits and trading carbon credits. Their management's saying, you need to generate this carbon reduction organically. And so this allows them to do that.
1: Well, that's kind of a game changer, your carbon credit and your 20%. You kind of led me down the wrong road there a little bit, Kelly, my friend. Because when you go put it in a solar farm, the product sells in their PPA is $45. Well, it's 43 in power, $2 for the wreck. Exactly. And that's exactly what you're talking about. Exactly. So so now we're getting to the bottom line, ladies and gentlemen. Now Mm -hmm. we're going to figure out about this polypropylene and being sustainable and our cost. Kelly, that's terrific. Excited for you to do this. I mean, where are you going to put this? Where's the location for this monster factory you're going to put in?
0: Well, once again, this is a uh, come home story for me. Uh, You know, Kansas Farm Boy, KU, um, down in Houston for you know, almost 40 years in the industry, and so we uh, first said we got to locate this close to ethanol plants. So we looked in Kansas, we looked in Iowa, we looked in Nebraska. The thing that drove us uh, to our location is the Missouri River, and that if you're going to build a big, complex petrochemical plant, people don't do that in the Midwest, so a lot of uh, construction risk uh, and weather risk, labor risk, so we want to build it in modules and be able to bring it up the Missouri River and uh, and build it that way to reduce the construction uh time in in there. So we have uh, two locations uh but one one primary one in Nebraska close to Omaha and uh con- still considering a couple other options but uh we're very excited about that what it that does is it keeps us very close to the ethanol producers and also most polypropylene is consumed in the northeast, you know, kind of rust belt, Chicago to New York. Like think about automotive, think about um Rubbermaid is in Ohio, you know, those kind of people. So we're saving transportation on both ends of the uh, supply chain.
2: What can you tell us about the just mechanics of the company and the teamwork that goes into all this? Because I'm sure that you want to have a staff that kind of is everybody's on the same page with such a big project, right?
0: It's a big project. Uh, Today, uh, my partner and I, we've just brought on uh, two technical folks to run our engineering. So we're a big grand total of people right now and uh, but we're, we're uh, looking to get funded by the end of this year and uh, and then the plant would be ready to run by late 2026 early 2027 which still is much quicker than a lot of the alternatives that are more bench scale uh, another key in this is all the technologies we're using are proven technologies somewhere around the world at the scale we're building people have just not put them together in this sequence before
1: well, smart play on your behalf going up there where ethanol is readily available. ADM and all these other people have been there for, you know, 30, 40, 50 years. Yes. So you're going right to what the, where they came from, and I think that's uh, going to help lower your cost. You're, you're closer to the actual product for your delivery, right?
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And so um, as you're out building out this huge facility, where do you see, to go? elaborate on Greg's question, where do you see your staff growing to with regards to cell staff, you know, operational staff? Where do you see this going out in 25, 26, and finally when you're full boat in 27?
0: Uh, Well, you know, it's going to be a big operating staff in um, in, in Nebraska, but once again, you know, big chemical plants don't, they're not labor intensive. You know, it may be 60 to 100 people, and uh, certainly we're looking at some different avenues on marketing the product. We may you know, align ourselves with existing players that already have all the infrastructure in place to move rail cars and those kind of things. But maybe one important point to make uh, to point out here is we've uh, signed a technology license with with Lumist for these technologies. What we did is we signed a four plant seven year exclusive for North America, really for u s and Canada, because as a startup, we didn't want to get along here developing this plant, have other majors say, "Hey, that's a good idea." and undercut us quickly to the market and and what it does for Lummus is it'll it allows them to take these technologies that are uh, you know separate and bring them together and make a new combined technology so we'll bring that you know together with them to the market so for us it's not just one plant it's it's uh, a quick sequence of uh, several plants after that.
1: And so you talked about the rail cars will you have rail cars coming in and out of your facility also?
0: Correct. Uh, our, you know, our base case is uh, rail cars of ethanol in, rail cars of polypropylene out. It's a very um, uh, selective process. So 95% of the product in comes out either as a pellet or as water. So not a lot of byproducts that come out of it. Now we're working with a couple ethanol suppliers uh, to locate perhaps next door to them, especially for plant two or three, so that we, we may get pipeline ethanol and eliminate the rail cars for both parties. On that
2: what's that process like just in terms of the communication refining that process a little bit more
0: as as far as how that works yeah yeah so uh, so today you know an ethanol producers they may be loading these unit trains of a hundred cars every couple days and they're coming down to Houston they're coming they're going to California very long haul uh, you know getting blended into gasoline what we bring to them is even if we're not physically next to them locating within a hundred miles now the haul on that's much shorter. It's much easier, and so we'll be able to, you know, integrate that supply chain and really reduce all that working capital. Bring that together. Then we take that ethanol. First step, it turns into ethylene and water, and then that ethylene turns into propylene, polypropylene, and which is a physical pellet, and it heads out in hopper cars. So it's a very selective process. Um, you know, we think it's going to be the highest value used for ethanol. Because if you think about ethanol, the other new products for them are SAF, you know, going to uh, sustainable aviation fuel or to biodiesel. Those products are still fuels. They're still burned. And it ends up as CO2 back in the air, even though it is sustainable. We're breaking that carbon cycle. So we're taking that CO2 that comes through the corn, putting it in a pellet, putting it in an automobile that we hope will be there for a very long time.
1: You know, when I looked through your website and I saw the page where, You talked about it's used for packaging and consumer goods and automotive parts, fiber and fabrics, medical supplies and industrials. I thought of the fabric line because we had on our show, might have been a year ago, a gentleman from Fiber 52 that talked about their patented sustainable cotton that they came up with. So give us an example for those of us that don't know the fiber industry, how the pellet, your plastic, why is,
0: how's the fiber industry use it? You know, I, I, that's a great lead and that's such a softball pitch for me here. Cause, well, we didn't uh, even plan that everybody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cause polypropylene is an excellent base layer fabric because it's, it doesn't absorb any water. So it was one of the very first, you know, you think about Nike dry fit, it's not polypropylene but the first ones were in fact, Patagonia when their very first apparel was polypropylene long underwear, you know, base layer material. And they moved away from it because of the pressure to get green, right? So they're using organic cotton. They're using recycled PET, uh, polyester, nylon uh, that are recycled. But, uh, you know, we're bringing a product to them that's sustainable that has great, you know, product qualities and, and kind of coming full circle for them. Uh, we've talked to several ski wear uh, applications that they used to use polypropylene, and they've moved away. So we're trying to bring them back with... Yeah.
2: Yeah, and I, I'm just curious, like, how much are you growing your kind of footprint in terms of the companies you're talking to and just trying to make more people aware of what you're doing?
0: Exactly. the um, You know, polypropylene is so ubiquitous it's in so many different things. We've got to really think about targeting carefully because you know, there's roughly 200 grades of polypropylene that can be made from our plant. But you can't make 200 grades. You'll be just changing all the time. So you really want to pick. 10 to 15 grades. So we're, we're really trying to think about which applications. The ones we've seen the great traction is automotive, you know, dashboards, door panels, cup holders, you know, everything in, inside that, that car. That's a lot of pounds um, in there. The other ones, diapers are very big because uh, it, it's, it's not a recyclable product. It's going to end up in a landfill, but it's still going to be sequestered. And, uh, and then things like apparel and any kind of non-woven um, sheeting.
1: Yeah, and you know your diaper market is a huge market because as all of our parents are living longer and so on and so forth, unfortunately, it's from the baby to the elderly. uh, And and it's just more and more diapers are on the market. And so that's probably going to be a huge industry as medicine gets better and we all live longer. It's going to be more diapers involved.
0: No doubt about it. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So, uh, Kelly. As you're finishing your funding going into Q4 here and you're looking ahead into Q1, tell us kind of the the immediate path that's going to take place uh, with the development of your company.
0: No, that's a great uh, great leading. The, uh, you in. Know, bringing on two uh, very experienced engineers because what we're doing right now is interviewing EPC companies because as soon as we get funding, the first thing we do is we just kick off into our detailed engineering. Take about a year to get our detailed engineer, and during that year while we're doing – all that engineering technical stuff. That's uh, the parallel path is to take all the letters of intent that we have on products and supply, turn those into bankable, you know, firm contracts. So that hopefully by the end of next year, we'll have the commercial stuff locked down. We'll have a, you know, high quality engineering estimate, and that's when we'll go out for the full funding for the project.
1: Well, my friend, you need to be really proud of what you've done because when you go from Corporate life, the whole time being an engineer, to the entrepreneur world, it's a big gamble and it's a big step.
0: It's a big step. You know, we we sit here, my partner and I, Mel, and we laugh about it because uh, we've been at this for three and a half years now, and you know, we were thinking, yeah, you know, six months, year, we'll have this thing set up. Boy, we'll be going, and just the complexity. You know, you think of all the things you have to do: permitting, you know, technology, commercial. It, it all, and you're doing it all with two people. It it's uh it's quite a challenge
1: well you're preaching to the choir because you yeah. <laughs> renewable we're three and a half years old too so i understand everything you're talking about and Anne and i are doing a lot of the same things you and your partner are doing just at a different number level exactly so, anyway because we're not on that
2: chemical side but anyway thank you so much for joining us on the green insider today kelly
0: no i appreciate it mike
2: He's Kelly Kanop, the principal and founder at Sintronic Chemicals. For Mike Niemer, I'm Greg Frank. This has been episode 205 of The Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from, because as the saying goes, you learn something new every day, and we were responsible for today's lesson. Again, he's Mike Niemer. I'm Greg Frank. Everybody, enjoy the rest of your weeks, and we'll talk to you next time on The Green Insider, powered by eRenewable.
0: This podcast was sponsored by Position Green. For an introduction to our sponsor, or find out how you too could be a sponsor, refer to our show notes to contact eRenewable and the Green Insider podcast.